Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello and welcome. We have a guest today who honestly has the secret to saving the planet. He is my hero. When I uh, first heard him speak, I said, everybody in the world needs to hear this man speak, Dr. Silas Rao. He is uh, creating a vegan world by 2026. He was instrumental, a Stanford PhD, an engineer and systems analyst, He was instrumental in accelerating internet speeds. He worked on the internet for 20 years. He briefly worked with Al Gore, but split from Al Gore because uh, Al Gore didn't want to talk about the really inconvenient truth, animal agriculture's devastating impact on the planet. And now Dr. Rao has founded Climate Healers, and he is having a convergence. Uh, You can sign up for this convergence by clicking on the link in the intro to this live video. Dr. Rao, please tell us where we are in terms of the peril of the planet and why everybody who cares about the planet and themselves and their families and the entire living mass of humanity and uh, fellow animals should get involved in this convergence because our entire planet is at risk. Yeah, uh, I mean, as I, uh, the talk that I gave that you watched, and I was talking about uh, how fast we are killing wild animals, that was in 2018. And 2020, we are just on pace, you know, so it's still continuing at the same pace. So we had killed 52% of all wild animals between 1970 and 2010, and that became 58% by 2012. And it's now 68% by 2016. So by my calculations, we have killed 80% of the wild animals already from 1970 to today. And which means that we only have five years left to completely turn this around. So I see this as uh, the equivalent of, you know, you're driving a car at 90 miles an hour and rounding a bend and you see a wall in front of you on the road that's five seconds away to impact. You know, would you say, I, I love to drive cars really fast and I, you know, I'll never let go of this and I never let go of the, my foot on the accelerator. Uh, would you say, take it off the accelerator and put it on the brakes? And what is the number one thing you need to do? Well, it is, if life is dying out, I would say the number one thing you need to do is to shut down the killing machine that's killing life on the planet. And that is animal agriculture. We need to shut it down completely and uh, and shut it down as soon as possible. And I'm saying at most within five years, we need to shut it down. But I think the sooner you shut it down, the easier it will be for us to uh, regenerate the planet. Now, explain for people who want to find an easier, softer way, which is really not a softer way. It involves killing. But uh, people who cling on to scans like uh, the regenerative agriculture that certain people are pushing that, oh, you can have all the cattle you want. Will you explain to people in simple terms that they can understand why agriculture is destroying the planet, why their consumption of animals in the forms of burgers and um, steak and eggs and chicken and ribs and all the other ways that they consume animals. And I say they, because we don't consume animals and look at us. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm 65 years old. I have the energy of a 22 year old. And the biggest complaint I get is people saying, lower your voice because you're talking too loud. You're too excited. Um, So we don't need to eat animals. Um, Studies like the China study have shown that Your longevity increases, your chance of disease plummets uh, on a plant-based diet. It's healthier for us. So please explain to people who are listening why 
It's also essential that they give up eating animals and their byproducts like the breast milk of cows to save the planet. Yeah, it's actually very simple. Uh, of all the food we eat, okay, majority of it is already plant-based. 85% of it is already plant-based. So, which means that we are eating a plant-rich diet already. But to get the 12% of the animal foods from land animals, we have devastated. We have cut down half the trees on the planet. So we have devastated and we have cut down like, you know, 37% of the land area of the planet just to graze our animals. And, and so all those wild animals that used to live there, they're all dead because we have converted that into grazing land. And now someone comes along and says, oh, you know, we don't have to uh, go back to eating plants. We just have to uh, grow the animals better. <laughs> you know? And basically what they're saying is we need more land to grow the same number of animals. And where is that land going to come from? From wild animals. So, and we cannot afford to kill wild animals faster than we are killing them now. So this is, you know, it's, it's literally like taking your foot off the accelerator and putting it on the brakes. It's not saying I, I can have a better accelerator. Uh, I can have, you know, I wish I was driving an electric car when I crash into the wall. No one talks like that when you're driving and you encounter a wall in the road. Now, we've had some, again, Dr. Rao is having a convergence. And while you may be listening to this at any time in the future on Voice America Radio, that's okay because he has convergences regularly. So listen and learn and join the next convergence and be part of the solution. But he happens to be having a convergence this coming Saturday and Sunday, which is uh, April... Tell us, tell us about the convergence, and there is a link to the convergence and what you're going to experience when you're a part of this convergence. I've attended two already, and they are life-changing. Dr. Rao, tell us all about it. Yeah, so this convergence that's happening uh, Saturday and Sunday, April 24th and 25th, uh, we are going to be cleaning three documentaries, three new documentaries during the convergence. We're going to have uh, cooking shows, we're going to have panels, we're going to have presentations, all talking about how do we transform from where we are to a completely vegan world. And the documentaries, we are screening Seaspiracy, and we will have a question and answer session with uh, Kip Anderson and Ali Tabrizi, the producers of Seaspiracy, after the screening. We'll have a screening of uh, a new documentary called United in Heart, uh, hunger and Climate Solutions. And the producers, Arvind and Nandini Paranjpe, will be there and they will demonstrate their app. And so we are launching an app during the convergence that would help people uh, network with people and get more and more people to join the vegan movement. So that's what the app is intended for. And it has, uh, so it gives you access to all these videos that you can then share with people to influence them. So that's the second one. And then the third documentary we're screening is called Bright Green Lies. And that's with Julia Barnes and the producer will be there. And so this is just setting the stage for why we have to make this transformation happen as quickly as possible. You know, the amount of devastation we're doing on land is nothing compared to the devastation we are doing to the ocean. Ugh. Just to get 3% of the food we eat. Only 3% of the food we eat comes from the ocean, okay? And to do that, we have literally destroyed the ocean. And it makes absolutely no sense. And this is why Seaspiracy is such a, has, has really exploded on the uh, consciousness of humanity. So look, for people who are watching, if you're already vegan, you need to get involved because Dr. Rao can't do it alone. It's a group effort. And what he does is, and I've been there and actually did an entire documentary on this process that is on Amazon Prime called Countdown to Year Zero. It's an award-winning documentary. Just this weekend, it got accepted to two more festivals uh, to be shown. And basically, we follow Dr. Rao to one of these convergences and show how he breaks down the challenges to achieve a vegan world by 2026 into categories like 
you know, industrial business, uh, philosophy, spirituality, uh, agriculture, workers' rights, various things. I'm just using examples. And then we form subgroups and we brainstorm about what challenges um can be overcome by certain strategies. And then we, each person, each group makes a, um, elect somebody to go up on stage and fill everybody in. That's how it happened in person. Mm -hmm. And it was very exciting. We came up with great solutions and, uh, uh, it really started to form. We started to see how a vegan world could be created by 2026. And when we, say a vegan world, I don't think it, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Rao, we mean that there's going to be vegan police uh, driving around checking to see if your belt is leather. What we're me, what we, I think we mean by that is that the culture will have shifted. You go into a restaurant, the default option is plant-based and the outlier is maybe a tiny piece of meat. I've already had that experience. I've gone into restaurants in Los Angeles where I've looked around and said this, that they don't say they're a vegan restaurant and all of a sudden, wow, Everything here happens to be plant-based. We have products that happen to be plant-based that don't even want to market themselves as vegan products. Uh, As as I once uh, said to somebody who said, I've never tasted a vegan meal. I said, have you ever had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Then you've tasted a vegan meal. Um, So your thoughts on how it will be different now that it is virtual. Are we still going to be breaking down these challenges into subgroups and who is collating all this information and all the solutions into a document that then can be reviewed so that we have essentially a blueprint for creating a vegan world. Yeah, we are breaking it down into four categories, the vegan institutions, vegan infrastructure, and then we have vegan currency and vegan constitution, vegan governance, all in one. And then we have a general category where art and uh, other storytelling is uh, is going to be featured. So fundamentally, you know, we, we are saying we have to create for a vegan world, we have to have a vegan constitution, vegan institution, vegan infrastructure, and, and vegan currencies. That's the basic of a new world. How do you create a new world? And um, so each one of these, we then break it down into, okay, do you what do you base it on? So if you look at our current civilization, it's based on a couple of fundamental axioms that are wrong, which is why we are doing, making the mess that we are making. So the first axiom that I say it's wrong is the false axiom of consumerism, which is that the pursuit of happiness is best accomplished by stoking and satisfying a never-ending series of latent desires in human beings. Okay? And this we know is absolutely false. But if you look at our ads, you know, there are 3,000 ads that every American sees every day. And so it's all based on the assumption that that's the pursuit of happiness is by just consuming more and more. And the second is the false axiom of supremacism, which is that life is a competitive game in which those who have gained an advantage may possess, enslave, and exploit animals, nature, and the disadvantaged for their false pursuit of happiness. So if you can take advantage of somebody, you know, do it. So that's the kind of axiom that we are working with. So this is what I call the might is right rule. And the false axiom of consumerism is what I call the greed is good rule. So if you say greed is good and might is right, you're going to destroy the planet. And that's what we are doing. And so now you have to base a vegan world on the correct axioms. And so uh, the correct axiom, the true axiom of inner peace, which is that the pursuit of happiness is best accomplished by looking for it within ourselves. And then the second is what I call the true axiom of homo ahimsa, which is that all life is one family in which we each bring our unique skills to give all we can, receive all we need, and become all we are. And so now how would you create a system based on the correct axioms. And so that's what the, the convergence is going to be about. You know, how do you create uh, institutions and infrastructure based on the correct axioms? So let me ask you a question for those who say, well, this is all very well and good, but we've got governments that are subsidizing big ag. 
Um, the World Health Organization just said, hey, uh, wet markets have to stop selling wild animals. Of course, they should have said wet markets should stop selling anything and we should close them all down. There's more than 80 in New York City alone. But in the wake of the pandemic that has destroyed the global economy, finally, the World Health Organization has just come out and said, stop trading in wild animals because um, the COVID-19 pandemic is a zoonotic illness that jumped from animals to humans, likely from a bat to a pangolin, was first discovered at a wet slaughter market. That's not to point the finger at any one country. There are wet slaughter markets all over the world. As I mentioned, 80 in New York City alone, thousands across the United States. Uh, So you have that. But then I was looking this morning to see, oh, this is huge news. I'm sure the New York Times is going to be, no. The, The media will talk endlessly about the nuances of the vaccine. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've gotten my vaccinations and blah, blah, blah. But they will not talk about what caused the pandemic and how to prevent future pandemics and what the World Health Organization, not some vegan rescue, animal rescue group, the World Health Organization is saying, stop these wet markets. And yet crickets, it's not big news. Um, How do we break through these institutions? And one of the ways is what we do. We reach a small, obviously a minuscule number of people compared to major outlets. However, it's a drop in the ocean, but it's an important drop. One person, we never know who's listening to these or watching these videos or these radio broadcasts. One person who um, decides, wow, I really got to do something about this and goes vegan and uses their skills to uh, help our movement to save the planet uh, as the clock is ticking toward extinction. We are racing towards extinction. That can make all the difference. But nonetheless, the vast majority of people who desperately need this information, who desperately need to understand that um, animal agriculture is destroying habitats. Habitats when they're destroyed, the animals inside those habitats die. They have nowhere to go. They become dispossessed. And um, that is now leading to extinction, mass extinction. We're in the sixth mass extinction. As Dr. Rao said, um, a huge percentage, and you could quibble about the numbers, but a massive percentage of the non-ice land on this planet is used for animal agriculture, either for cattle grazing or to grow crops to feed 80 billion animals that we raise, torture, and kill every year, not primarily to feed the 7.9 billion humans. We could live in a world of natural abundance where everybody has everything they want to eat. Those people beating their chests about world hunger and then serving meat at their galas are hypocrites. They are the problem. And we see this all the time. Seaspiracy exposes the hypocrisy of these quote unquote environmental groups that are saying, oh, you know, dolphins save tuna. And then during an undercover investigation, they admit we have no idea if it's dolphin safe. We're not on those boats. I mean, we're right here in Los Angeles, we are fighting a plan to destroy LA's last coastal wetlands, the Bayona wetlands, which is not far from where I live. It's the last coastal wetlands in Los Angeles, home to 1,700 species, including endangered and threatened species and so-called environmental groups that have gotten donations from the fossil fuel industry are trying to bulldoze the whole thing and they're calling it a restoration. Destroying an entire wetlands is not a restoration. Bulldozing it is not restoration. Destruction is not restoration. And it's been documented that the so-called environmental groups that are leading this charge have gotten money from the fossil fuel industry, which has a giant gas storage facility underneath the wetlands and needs to upgrade it. This is happening in quote unquote, environmentally friendly, progressive LA. If it happens here, forget about it. They're trying to destroy the wetlands everywhere because people look at land as property that needs to be exploited. 
They get itchy fingers. They can't stand something being left alone. The, the same thing is happening in Florida. I got a frantic call from Native, uh, from Indigenous people, Native American leaders saying they're trying to put a bike path through the Alligator Alley from the East Coast to the West Coast. Do you know how hot it is down there? Who's going to bike across Alligator Alley from one coast to the other? You can barely drive with a, in, a, in a convertible without feigning. No, they, it's all about giving contracts to people. And then they're going to have to have way stations with toilets and, and all these other things. And that's more contracts. And their buddies get these contracts. It's completely bankrupt. But what are we going to do about it, Dr. Rao? It doesn't seem like uh, you're yeah. very confident we're going to have a vegan world by 2026. And that's why I like listening to you, because it always seems impossible until it's done, Nelson Mandela said. Yeah, we have no choice but to do it, right? So we, we see the writing on the wall. I mean, there are the environmentalists that I've spoken to who have said, oh, the world will not go vegan until the human population is down to 1 billion. Okay? So, and I, and I asked them, are you seriously telling me that we will continue with this process of killing, killing, killing until 7 billion people die off? And then you're going to control it? We're all going to go vegan and then we're going to control the planet? I mean, that is hubris to think that we know how to turn back something that we have unleashed. Um, but why are you confident? That's what I'd like to know. I mean, when I heard you, when I first heard you, I was blown away because I've been in this animal rights movement, this vegan movement for, well, I'm vegan 23 years. Uh, and I thought I was an animal rights activist before that, but I realized I was part of the problem until I went vegan. But in any case, you're the first person who did what I think is essential for any, any movement. You articulated a goal, and every goal that any social justice movement has ever articulated has always seemed impossible in the context of that time and space. When suffragettes said, we want the right to vote, people laughed in their face, oh, you're crazy. Women have the right to vote? Okay, that's just one example. So I was listening to you. You were speaking in Texas at a sanctuary, and uh, you said, we're going to have to create a vegan world by 2026. We know why we have to do it. All we need to do is figure how we are going to do it. We are going to create a vegan world by 2026. And when I heard that, my, my head exploded because I was like, finally, somebody has articulated what we want to achieve. So you can't achieve something until you actually state what it is you want to achieve. And of course, people will mock just like they mocked women wanting the right to vote. But now we see a global pandemic that is caused by eating animals. Let's boil it down. None of this would be happening. People wouldn't be wearing masks. People wouldn't be dying in hospitals. People wouldn't have lost their jobs. People wouldn't be in grief if, if we didn't eat animals. It's a zoonotic illness. You could quibble about exactly where it started. Nobody is quibbling about the fact that it's a zoonotic illness. Um, we've got uh, Sarah on hold. Before we go to break, Sarah, your question or thought. Oh, hi. Wow, thanks for taking my call, and I really love this conversation. I have a question for Dr. Silesh Rao. I mm-hmm. think that he, he said that the plan is because the engineers are actually being able to solve this now and for, you know, hundreds of years, it's just being run by a bunch of adults that are guessing, I guess. So I'm just trying to find out, does he have a certain engineering plan that he's going to show people during the convergence and how we can get more people to, to accept that this is actually happening? And then my second part of the question was, what's going to happen between now and 2023? Does he have any predictions? Because they're constantly saying that new variants are arising because they're continuing with the slaughtering and this, that, and the other. That's my question. Thank you so much. Thank you, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, great question, Sarah. And, and actually, uh, you are right that everything is now coming together. The technology for making this happen is now on board. You know, we now know 
how to create these um, banking systems, these currency systems that are completely distributed. In the past, it always had to go through a bank. You know, a bank was the only place where you could go to to uh, make sure that the guy who says he has money really does have the money, right? So a bank was the ledger. So that's the place where you go to to centralize our accounting. And so to make sure that when you do a transaction with someone across the country or across the world, you do know that you're going to get paid. So, and so we, have, we had all these centralized structures. And because we had these centralized structures, decision-making becomes more and more centralized. And when you do that, you are going to create this kind of destructive behavior because it's all about how do I make profit out of this? So everything becomes a profit center. So now we have the technology to create distributed currency systems. So distributed technology, distributed computing. And this allows us to uh, create a system in which people have individual privacy and still you have institutional transparency. So that's the kind of system you need to create a vegan world. Are you talking about cryptocurrencies? And if so, which cryptocurrency? There's so, so many. There's so many of them, but a lot of cryptocurrencies, they basically eliminated the bank, but they put themselves in place of the bank. So meaning it was also still centralized. So the cryptocurrency itself is centralized. Bitcoin is a centralized system. There's only one chain that you have to work with. So this is why that's not gonna work. It's, it's, a, it's, just a, it's just a step in the right direction. So I'm talking about a, current, a system called Holochain and Holochain has both uh, the security of cryptocurrency and it also has the distributed nature of BitTorrent. So it's like putting a distributed database and having cryptocurrency built into it at the same time. Well, let me ask you a question. Can people buy Holochain? I've never heard yeah. of it. Yeah, you can buy really? Holochain tokens and it's gone through the roof. <laughs> Holochain, know, okay. Yeah, it used to be like a $20 million uh, valuation and now it's over $4 billion. So whoa, whoa. Uh, Holochain, what's their, what's their, what's their um, trading? Symbol, I think it's HOT, H-O-T. H-O-T. Holochain. Okay, H-O-T, wow. So you feel that that's a way to get around the banks. The banks currently control the money supply. Right. And that will allow people to have more power. I mean, to boil it down to its very essence. So that's the economic side. But what about the government? We're going to have to take a short break right. on Voice America Radio. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio get unchained tune in every monday for jane unchained on the voice america influencers channel featuring nationally recognized best-selling author tv journalist and social media influencer jane velez mitchell this program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution it all starts on your plate if you want to revolutionize your life get happier more energized then discover the secret tune in to jane unchained mondays at 10 a.m pacific time and 1 p.m eastern time on the voice america 
Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. If you want to learn more about Dr. Silas Rao, we did a documentary that is streaming on Amazon Prime Video called Countdown to Year Zero. The tagline is, watch it before it's too late. And um, we're talking about Dr. Rao's Convergence, which is coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You can click on the link and join. And not only are we going to screen movies, and uh, there's going to be some of the directors and people who are involved, uh, key people um, in these incredibly fantastic movies like Seaspiracy, a hit film. We're also going to be led by Dr. Rao, breaking down some of the problems, the challenges that we need to solve in order to create a vegan world. So Dr. Rao, we've talked about business and we know janeunchained.com today just published a story about vegan businesses going public Mm -hmm. and they're going public in droves. You had Beyond Meat IPO, one of the most successful IPOs in history in 2019. Then you have a whole slew of them following. And now we see uh, reports and indications. I don't have any insider information. So I'm just saying what what the, the, the talk on the street is that Just, which makes the vegan egg and Impossible and a whole bunch of others could be going public very soon. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of other little companies, smaller, I shouldn't say little, but smaller companies trading on smaller exchanges that you can invest in. You can go to janeunchained.com and check all that out. Uh, I don't, I'm not recommending any stocks. I want to make that very clear. Just giving you an overview on the space. So we have business and you talked about cryptocurrency, this hollow chain cryptocurrency. Uh, the acronym is HOT. Uh, so there's business, Okay. And then you have consumers adopting plant-based meats at a skyrocketing rate. The big, big problem I see, and it's ironic since we are forced to subsidize it, is government. Mm -hmm. The U.S. government is talking out of both sides of its mouth, saying that our priority is climate change and blah, blah, blah. And then they're subsidizing the very industry that is causing climate change, which is animal agriculture, but they're ignoring animal agriculture. And this is across the board. This is a bipartisan problem. Okay. Uh, President Biden nominated uh, Vilsack to be the head of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Again, he is a dairy industry uh, trade leader. He, He represents the dairy industry. So, what are we going to do about the U.S. government? Yeah, the way they are framing the, the problem is that, you know, we have the burning machine and the, and the killing machine, and the economy needs both of them to keep growing. So they want both the burning machine and the killing machine to grow. And they're just saying the only problem is the fuel for the burning machine has to be shifted from, from fossil fuels to clean energy. And then we can keep growing them. And that's unfortunately not what the planet is telling us. The planet is saying, shut down the killing machine, otherwise I'm going to kill you. It's as simple as that. Okay, so, and, and we have to shut down the killing machine as soon as possible. And all these uh, vegan businesses that are coming on board and they're getting all these resources from going pub- public, they are ne- essential to grow the vegan movement, to grow the vegan uh, availability of vegan meat. So that there are substitutes for everything. So you really don't need to subsidize animal agriculture anymore. In fact, those subsidies should be given to the vegan meat companies, you know, so that they can produce lots of these vegan plant-based meats and flood the market. But I want to give you a sad story. Okay, social compassion and legislation uh, proposed a very modest proposal to give grants to farmers in California, mm-hmm. which by the way is the largest dairy state, to, if they want to transition, this is 
one of many grant programs. Many grant programs and other programs benefit the uh, dairy industry uh, in California. Uh, if uh, you want to uh, transition out of raising animals to doing something else that's more sustainable, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, legumes, hemp, whatever, here's a grant. Killed, killed. The dairy industry, the meat industry, all these industries wrote so many letters. Um, we were involved, Jane Unchained, we were, inv- we were involved in trying to get um, vegans and animal lovers to write on the other side. But uh, they, the other side used every trick in the book and put pressure and you know, a lot. Somebody said, I don't even recognize California anymore as California in terms of It's a political um, makeup in terms of how it approaches things like the environment. They're they're trying to to destroy the wetlands here in LA. They're starving the elk in Tule Point, a a national park where millions of people come to see the elk. No, let's starve the elk for the benefit of the uh, cattle and dairy companies that are leasing land on public land. This is what's happening. Let's kill a bill, a modest bill, to provide grants to farmers who want to transition out of animal agriculture. I see government as the biggest obstacle. Right. What do we do about it? Yeah, they're the biggest obstacle because we don't have a big enough voice yet. So as we grow the vegan movement, they're going to have to listen to us, okay, more and more. Uh, So I'm saying that there is no substitute for grassroots organizing. There is no substitute for growing the movement at the grassroots and, and, you know, and making sure that our voice is heard. And there is no substitute for actually creating the infrastructure and the institutions that we need for a completely vegan world. So ignore these people. I mean, they are all playing with their own, you know, they're playing, they're doing their own Ponzi scheme. So they're working on their own Ponzi scheme, which is fundamentally just uh, liquidating nature and then turning that into money that you give us short-term income to people at the top. I want to interrupt you, doctor. We got a caller. Laura, your question or thought. Laura. So, so I live in Bartlett, New Hampshire, and have been a vegan for 20 years. I'm 66 years old. I've been reading a lot of stuff from the Animal Legal Defense Fund and Stephen, what Stephen Wise is doing in the Non-Human Rights Project. And what I really wonder is, because the law in the United States is supposed to protect the public health, public interests, and public good, if there might be something that we're missing in not somehow g- g- gaining a very formidable, unified voice and somehow using the legal system to file a class action suit and learn how to do it and, and fund the money. And I don't even know who it would be against, but, but I remember a long time ago in the civil rights movement, there was, a, there, was an, there was an attorney called Kenneth Clark, and they used the doll experiment, if anybody remembers, to help overturn Brown versus Board of Education. Children naturally love animals. They would never harm them. And yet we have, and this is kind of a different topic, but yet we have a society that guts children's empathy and teaches them how to harm animals. So in teaching people empathy and compassion for animals and how to eat a plant-based diet, we're doing it for, for humans as well. And I just wonder if the entire movement needs more help from the, from the animal rights legal profession to teach us how to better use the law to push I, I the agree envelope. with you, Laura. Laura, I think you're raising an incredible point. Why? Given that the World Health Organization has said uh, we need to shut down wild animals in wet markets, Okay, because they produce feces, mucus, and blood and guts, which obviously any animal produces. And we've had swine flu breaking out recently. There was mad cow disease. There's all these other potential zoonotic diseases that don't involve wild animals. Why can't we file a class action lawsuit to st- against, uh, I don't know, uh, against... Uh, I don't I, I honestly don't know because I'm not an attorney myself, but take some legal action 
um, on a grand scale to say animal agriculture is killing us, it's causing pandemics, the U.S. government has to stop subsidizing it. Dr. Rao. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in a, in a, in a world where we, we are rational, we would be doing that. It makes total sense, right? These, when we subsidize animal agriculture and simultaneously we are subsidizing the pharma industry for producing vaccines, you're just playing both sides. First, we are creating the disease and then we are subsidizing the vaccines for the disease. And it just doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever that we would be um, destroying people's health, public health this way. So it's a public health issue, right? So we can actually file a class action lawsuit on the fact that the government is not taking care of our public health. These are some of the great ideas that come up with the Vegan World 2026 Convergence. So, Laura, please sign up for it and bring that up. And do you have attorneys who are part of that? Because I do feel that that we need to start being more creative. Let me give you an example. We have a new writer at JaneUnchained.com who's a great writer. And uh, we grabbed him because he's in between projects. His name is Jordi Casamajana. And he is an animal activist who did undercover investigators. He was working investigations. He was working for an anti-hunting organization. And they invested some of his funds in a pension fund, as they do with a lot of employees. He found out the pension fund was investing in companies that hurt animals. And he confronted his employers and said, you know, I'm a vegan. This is an animal organization. I'm offended by this. He was fired. He took it to court. He took it to court. And after two years of litigation, veganism was declared a protected class in the United Kingdom. This is a monumental decision. And basically, in essence, it says veganism is a substantial belief system that needs to be respected, much like a religion and uh, or sexual orientation. You can't just discriminate against people based on the fact that they're vegan. It has had a ripple effect. Human resources or uh, agencies within companies are now being more respectful to vegans. Um, you know, we've all had that experience as vegans uh, being discriminated against where we're forced to sit in a place where everybody's eating meat and uh, we're treated as if we're freaks and put in a corner and told, you know, here, have some broccoli. I mean, that can't happen anymore in the United Kingdom. One lawsuit, one person. So absolutely, I do feel like we need to start mobilizing attorneys to, um, to challenge these systems, Dr. Rao. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, anything we do to it, 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 an action like that raises the consciousness of society. You know, it makes people sit up and say, wow, you know, that lawsuit has merit. Uh, Especially when when we win a lawsuit like that, like what happened in the UK, uh, then people realize that that there is uh, another story that we need to listen to. There's another viewpoint that we need to listen to. And that uh, what we are doing now is actually hurting public health. I mean, we are deliberately making people sick and then giving them vaccines. That's really what's going on. When we don't shut down these industries, that's what we are doing. Now, the media is another problem. You and I have both seen where they won't even use the word slaughterhouse. When COVID swept through slaughterhouses across the United States, Canada, and actually globally, because they are hotbeds of disease, And these are some of the poorest people on the lowest rung of the social order who have to go in there and do killing for other people who run around with their yoga mats talking about how peaceful they are while eating animal products. And these people um, have to suffer the psychic toll of killing day in and day out, five days a week, eight hours a day. How dare anybody ask somebody else to do that, order the hit, and then you people, you go do the killing while I sit around and talk about how I love animals and I'm such a wonderful person. It's outrageous. And then they get COVID and they're dying. And uh, (sighs) the uh, media, while 
covering the human deaths at slaughterhouses, referred to them as meatpacking plants, and never once mentioned the fact that, well, billions of animals are being killed at these slaughterhouses. When Bill Gates got up and uh, one of the richest men in the world and also no dummy, okay, and no vegan activist either, although he's starting to sound like one, he gets up and he says, just recently, rich nations have to switch to synthetic meat, which was his nerdy way of saying what we're saying. We got to stop eating animals. We got to convert to a plant-based society. We've got all these alternatives that taste just like meat. I can't even eat some of them. They taste so much like meat. Um, that they're vegan pork and vegan duck and vegan chicken and vegan beef and vegan. It's impossible foods. It's beyond meat. It's hungry planet. It's a million of these out there. And uh, they're growing and they're skyrocketing. And the mainstream media mocked Bill Gates and ridiculed him for that. So it's the media and government that I see as the two biggest problems. What do you see, Dr. Rao? Yeah, they're running a colonial system. You know, they're running a colonial racist system. And that's, um, they want to hold on to their power because they're seeing it slipping away. You know, as people take back the power and start thinking on their own. You see, all along, they were sort of sending children to school and filling them with lies that you need protein and you need only, you can only get protein from meat, you know, you, only, you can only get calcium from milk. These are all outright lies that we're telling children and we all bought into it, right? And now we are waking up and realizing these are all lies and that, you know, we know through the internet, we are figuring out the real truth about what's going on. And so... This is nothing new, what they're doing. We are just finding out that they're being so duplicitous. We've got some, a uh, lot of comments on Facebook. Tam Green says, I've joined the convergence. Thank you. Uh, welcome, Tam. Uh, also, Russell, Russell Neal says, so um, I've got an idea. We can create a plant-based cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're saying that there is one. Is Holochain a plant-based cryptocurrency or how would you c- describe it? It doesn't describe itself as uh, plant-based, but uh, fundamentally what we are saying is that that kind of distributed cryptocurrency lends itself to a vegan world. So we're going to just use that to create everything we need for a vegan world, you know, the infrastructure we need for a vegan world. Because it's a, it's a distributed currency system, so there is no central authority that you have to go and get reconciliation from. So uh, let me ask you this question. Somebody else said, invite Carter Dillard of Animal Legal Defense Fund to interview him about the future of filing lawsuits against government venues that use our taxes to do harm. Do you have um, a system to have various professions represented at the convergence like lawyers? It seems like this legal issue is coming up more and more. Um, We know obviously doctors like Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine is an entire organization filled with 12,000 medical professionals who are vegan, who advocate for a vegan lifestyle because obviously uh, you could well, not obviously to a lot of people, but most of the prevent, most of the diseases that people die from, heart disease prior to COVID, America's leading killer, it still kills one out of every four people. It's caused by arteries to the heart getting clogged with plaque. Plaque comes from cholesterol. There's no cholesterol in any vegan product because plants don't produce cholesterol. Animals produce cholesterol. In fact, in the New York Times the other day, uh, and, uh, a writer said, oh, uh, eating healthy is a key to surviving COVID. Uh, emotionally, psychologically, and physically. And she talked about exercise and diet. And she said, I tried vegan and my cholesterol level dropped from my LDL cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol, dropped from 111 to 85 in 10 days. Mm-hmm. And, but, she, but then she said, you know, I'll keep certain aspects of the vegan lifestyle. Progress, not perfection, whatever. But the point is that we've got an organization's lobbying for hospitals, uh, 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 we just we just reported on a vegan hospital, 100% vegan hospital, the f- world's first that just started in Beirut, Lebanon. We just did a whole hour interview on that last week. Um, now um, we have uh, 
the law. The law is crucial. If you look at any social justice movement, it was in the courts that some of the biggest victories occurred and some of the biggest losses. But what are we doing to get lawyers involved in the conversions? Well, you know, we are focusing on building something new as opposed to fighting the old. You know, so I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done building something new. And there is work that needs to be done to fight the old in order to convince people that the old is messed up and you need to move to the new. So I think that this is like the American Revolution. You know, the American Revolution was not um, uh, achieved by just going and changing the law in Britain. We just created our own. Right. So here in America, but there was also a whole new country, uh, not a new country, because obviously it was people were there, the, 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 the killing of the indigenous. And I just listened to a whole thing about this is that while the indigenous people were often killed, disease brought by Europeans when they landed in the new world, killed most was the biggest killer of indigenous people. Um, But uh, the point being that there was, you know, there was a different location than Great Britain. Okay, so does that analogy apply? Not to not to be provocative. No, no, it doesn't apply in this case, uh, because it's not a different location, but it is worldwide. So worldwide, it's a vegan world we have to create, not a vegan country or a vegan, um, you know, enclave. So we have to completely change the way we organize around the whole world. And so that's why I say we have to start something new. And then simultaneously, we have to fight the old in, in order to tell people, tell the story that, something, that we have to do something new because there is nothing going on over there. Unfortunately, you're out of time. What a fascinating conversation. By the way, please go to climatehealers.org. Dr. Rao has also written a white paper that shows that animal agriculture is responsible for 87% of greenhouse gas emissions. And he is willing to debate anyone. It is coming out in a scientific publication very soon. And um, it is far higher, obviously, than what is reported in mainstream media. I also want to urge everybody, join the conversions. It's fun. It's fun. If you're bored at home and you're thinking, oh, you know, wah, 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 Groundhog's Day, this is different. And you'll, you'll have an intellectual challenge, an ethical challenge, a spiritual challenge, and meet wonderful people. It's really exciting. Be part of the change. Uh, join the Convergence. The link is in the intro to this video. And we will see you. And uh, they happen quarterly. But, but jump in now because the clock is ticking. Okay, thank you, Dr. Rao. You are such an inspiration. Uh, Truly, 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 truly um, happy that I had the good fortune of running into you on that field in Texas. (laughs) Vegan World 2026. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 